With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome and thank you for tuning in this Saturday, August 14th to the Legally Steel Show. I'm your host, S.C. Day, coming to you live from the beautiful and once again hot Tampa, Florida, where I will be doing the same thing every Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, have a great show for you today. Found out a lot of information this week. Um, uh, and it's also a great week because I had a chance to actually do several radio radio interviews. The book is the book is turning out to be a hot topic. Uh, people are really interested in saving money, and that's always a good thing. Saving as much money as we can, any and everywhere we can. Um, uh, today's show is going to be it's a two-part segment um, titled "Beware of the Front End of the Deal." I know you may be asking what exactly is if you have a front end. Well, I know you have a back end, but what exactly is the front end of the deal? And we're going to get to that. I want to cover a few things up front first before we go into that. Um, as far as you know, just information this week that we that we accumulated as far as the the car buying business, uh, the responses that we've been getting back, and some of the changes that we're going to be doing. We're actually um, putting together a a ebook, an ebook uh, that for those who really don't feel like going down to Barnes and Nobles and uh, get it online, where you'll be able to download it instead of trying to wait for your book to come to you. So that's going to be a plus. Um, also, doing some interesting things with the Legally Sealed Show, and we're looking at partnering with uh, a couple of nonprofits here or charities here in the Tampa area that's going to be big in the efforts of what they're doing and also promoting the show, and we'll be able to promote them in, in return as well um, to what's going on. Uh, let me give you the call-in number for, for, the, for you listeners. It is area code 347-637-1008. Again, that's 347-637-1008. Give me a call and pose your questions. I'd love to hear from you. Take your questions live on the air and get you an answer to them. Um, also, uh, give you the web, give you the email address. So you can email the show, that's T-H-E-S-H-O-W, at LegallySteal.info. Again, that's the show at LegallySteal.info. People, bottom line, um, the book, if you're planning to buy a vehicle and you don't have your book, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to get in trouble if you do not understand the processes of what goes on inside the dealership and how they can get money out of your pocket. So I would encourage every listener uh, to pass this on. Let everybody know that Saturday at 2 o'clock, if you're planning on buying a vehicle, you want to tune in, you want to listen to the Legally Sealed Show where we're giving you great advice, great information that will save you literally thousands of dollars. And 
as I put out last week, my challenge to all of my readers, all of the listeners, all of the readers, you pick up a copy of the book. I tell you it's the best $15 you will spend uh, because you will be able to see uh, knowledge in action. And, of course, my mantra is knowledge is not power. Knowledge is a power. Knowledge is power. Applied knowledge is power. Let me get that right now. I told, you, I told you it was my mantra, so I must know what I'm talking about. Knowledge is not power. Applied knowledge is power. Uh, when I was a kid, used to hear the little thing that said, G.I. Joe, knowing is half the battle. Right. You can know it all day long, but if you do not apply it, it's not going to get you anywhere or benefit you at all. So, um, two things. As always, I'll be opening the phone lines to take questions um, later, bit, a little bit later in the show. I want to get to this pertinent information out to you. But then we'll get the phone lines open and hope, hopefully hear from you. Um, and if you can't call in, please email us, and we'll get that information going. Again, that number is 347-637-1008. Okay, um, last week's show, I was pleasantly surprised, I should say, we had a lot of listeners, over 230 listeners, that actually tuned in, not to the live show, but to the pre-recorded show or the post-recorded show that we post on Facebook, and it's also on iTunes. Um, it's, you type in Legally Steal Show, it's on iTunes, so you can download it as a podcast and carry it with you. And, of course, I encourage you to send this information to as many people as you know. We want to become not only the number one uh, uh, show on the Internet, but we also want to get the local market, become the number one show there. And I want to show the New York Times that we can make this book the number one bestseller because it's truly giving you information that you can use and put money into your pocket or keep money into your pocket. Um, as I said, popularity is growing, and that is great. That means people are hungry for this information, and I am here to give you that information. Okay, we're going to go into the show um, and talk about this two-part series. This is the first part of Beware of the Front End of the Deal. Now, uh, last week's show, you heard me talk about knowing yourself and knowing who you are. Well, after you've done all of that information, gotten all that together, you've assessed yourself, and now you're ready to go into the dealership to buy the car. Well, there are some things that you need to know because you're getting ready to start the buying process. And in this segment, we're going to talk about several ways for the dealer to take thousands, thousands of your hard-earned dollars. Um, and well, before I go any further, let me say this: next segment, I'm going to try to, if I can get a um, a salesperson, I'm sorry, sales manager. I'm going to see if we can have a sales manager call in and be able to take your questions live. Of course, I'm going to pre, you know, pre-advise the sales manager that we may beat him up a little bit on the air, but it'll be okay. We won't bruise him that bad, but I want you to know that this is the type of show that you're getting and the information that we're giving out to you. Now, back to the front end of the deal. Um you, this is a very time-consuming process, and most people hate it. 
it's it's like me. I hate going into a bank. I would really, literally rather take a beating than go stand in a bank line. Well, a lot of people feel the same way about buying a vehicle. Uh, if 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 the salesperson could bring the bring the vehicle to them on their time on their turf and give them the less stress, less headache, less hassles, you'd be more apt to buy the vehicle. But in our society, that's normally not the case. You can find a few that can actually get you there, bring you the vehicle to your location, to your house, but you're going to have to suffer some bruises in dealing with the dealer, which is why this book, the show, will make it a little bit easier for you. Um, as I, I think I stated last time, that even with perfect credit, the average consumer is going to spend four to six hours at a dealership. And if you have credit problems, this process can take days or weeks because you're in the process of trying to get yourself together, get your credit uh, uh, in a better situation that is going to paint a rosier picture for you than your standard bad credit photo. So, the front end of the deal, the main part of the front end of the deal is it's associated with gross profit. Now, gross profit of the vehicle. And a lot of people say, well, what the heck is gross profit? Well, the gross profit is the sales price minus the actual dealer's invoice. Now, I put emphasis on dealer's invoice because uh, that's not the true cost of the vehicle. Now, mind you, every dealer has to make money to stay in business. And in that vehicle or in that profit margin on that vehicle, dealers ensure that every car is going to make them a profit. And I, I refer to that in the book as PAC, P-A-C, that's price after cost. Now, what that does is, like I said, that ensures the dealer is going to make money on every car that is sold, but it also gives you a bit of information because you know that you have negotiating room or wiggle room. Uh, you will hear, I mean, just think back, but I'm sure we've heard advertisements before that says, you can come in and buy a car from the dealer. Come in today and you can get it for a dollar under invoice. Okay, and you're thinking, wow, the dealer is going to lose money? Never, 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 never will the dealer lose money on a vehicle. That dollar on the invoice is a dollar into their pack, and our pack is normally two to three percent of the cost of the car. So, let me give you a for instance with the gross profit, and then we'll get down to the pack. If you're looking at a vehicle, and I know you guys are going to say, this guy loves this $20,000 vehicle like you can find one, or is that the car I want to drive? No. But a $20,000 vehicle normally has between a $15 and $2,200 markup in it. Well, let me give you a better range. A $15,000 car up to a $24,000 car normally has between a $1,500 to a $2,200 markup on that vehicle. Now, the markup is the gross profit. Now, as in, in the business, uh, years ago, I used to say gross profit is a state of mind. If you think you got a good deal at a dealership, you got a good deal. And, you know, chances are if you think you didn't, you didn't. So what does that say about the gross profit? Well, the dealer's job is to keep 
as much of that gross profit as possible. Um, if I can keep the whole $2,000 in my pocket or $2,200 on that or $2,000 on that $20,000 car, that car costs or invoice, dealer invoice, is at $18,000, which means you got about a $2,000 profit margin on that vehicle. Now, again, this is the money that dealer uses to stay in business, pays an employee, but it's also the money that is used to make a profit for the dealer. This money is also the money that the dealer uses to negotiate the price of the new vehicle. So if you have that vehicle and you go in the, in the MSRP or the manufacturer's suggested retail price, says $22,000 or $20,000, now you're looking at negotiating down from that $20,000 to a comparable price market value of about $18,000. Now, you have to be very careful because, again, on the front end of the deal, the dealer will do something. If that car has a rebate on it, the dealer will tell you that they discounted the car. Let's say the car had a $2,000 rebate on it. The dealer will tell you that they discounted the car $2,000. So you're looking and saying, wow, I got a great deal here. I got the car at $18,000. No, you didn't. Because if the car has a $2,000 rebate on it, uh, basically the dealer will show a $2,000 reduction, but they're going to get $2,000 from the manufacturer, but they still sold their car at list price. What you want to do as a consumer is you want to go in and negotiate the list price of the vehicle and then find out what type of rebate or dealer cash or dealer incentives that are on that vehicle. If you find that information on that vehicle, now you deduct that price as well. So you could actually leave that dealership with the actual cost of that car being around $16,000. So now you've saved yourself $4,000. Now, remember, on average, $1,000 equates, $1,000 total price equates to about twenty. Somewhere between seventeen and twenty dollars per thousand finance. So that's your monthly note. If you save yourself four thousand dollars, you just reduce your monthly note by eighty dollars. If your factor is twenty twenty dollars. Now, that's a lot of money, uh, especially when you add it up over the life of the loan, which is normally going to be your sixty to seventy two months. But when you add that up over the life of the loan, you're actually saving money per month and on the overall cost of the vehicle. Now, you heard me mention manufacturer suggested retail price. This is a mandated uh, by law sticker that has to be on the vehicle. Okay, it has to be on every new vehicle made, and that information will. That sticker will give you a lot of information. It's going to list everything that is standard and optional on that vehicle. Now, sometimes the dealer will do something, and you have to be you have to pay very close attention to it. But right beside the MSRP sticker, they will have a little label, a little sticker, probably about the same height as the MSRP label, but are probably about three inches wide, and they will have it stuck right beside the MSRP sticker. And normally that's stuff that the dealer has added on to the car, 
for instance, um, you know, wheels or uh, an upgraded package, and you will be looking at the MSRP price that will say $20,000, but with this additional package on the car, you'll see the MSRP. They have two prices there. You'll see $22,000 written in that whole perfect ink, look like it just came off of a printer, and then you'll have the other piece that's right beside it, so you have another MSRP that's showing you that increase, say, by twelve to $1,500. And, of course, that depends on the make and model of the car that you're buying. It could be a whole lot more, just depending on the items that they put on the car. Well, I'm telling you that because you want to pay very close attention to those labels. That's going to give you your, your reference point of, of what that vehicle costs and what the, vehicle, what the dealer has added to that vehicle. Now, uh, last show I mentioned you want to get as much free stuff on your standard equipment as possible. And, of course, that's less stuff for you to buy, less options for you to buy. Um, I talked about vehicles coming in packages. So, you know, you might have, for instance, vehicle A comes with the power locks, power windows, air conditioner, illuminated vanity mirror, AM, FM, CD, stereo, power front mirrors, um, or power side mirrors, front and rear floor mats, and a five-speed manual transmission as standard equipment, okay? Now, vehicle B comes with fog lamps, power mirrors, intermittent wipers, automatic off-and-on headlights, front bucket seats, keyless entry, and auxiliary power outlet. Again, both of these are examples of free stuff or standard equipment on the vehicle. And remember, the more free stuff you get on the vehicle, that's the least amount of money that you have to pay for additional items. And as a note, as a note, let me, let me say this. Even if you pay for additional stuff on your vehicle, let's say your car comes standard with 17-inch alloy wheels or 17-inch wheels, but you want to upgrade to, say, 18-inch alloy or aluminum wheels, because your car is already packaged, and it's according to your VIN number, but because your car is already packaged, if you take that vehicle back and trade it, they're not going to give you any additional money for the additional items that you put on the car. So you have to be very, very careful, even though you like that car to look beautiful and all the amenities on it, <clears throat> Excuse me. but when you take it back, they're not going to give you any more money. So you have to be careful of that and make sure, um, and not just ask the salesperson, ask the manager, ask the finance manager, will those items, those additional add-on items that you put on the car, will you get benefit for them when you trade it in? Because if it's not stock or standard equipment, they're not going to give you any price for it, but they will turn around and take that vehicle that you trade and promote those items that you put on the car. Um, and if you do, for instance, if you do buy that vehicle and you get the upgraded wheels, take your standard wheels with you. They're already paid for. Don't leave them at the dealership. They're yours. Um, okay. For those two vehicles I named before, you know, you may have to get something extra, which might be satellite radio or four-speed automatic transmission or maybe a moonroof. But remember, vehicles are sold in packages, so you can look at the car right beside it and it may have the package information you want. So, but let's get back to the front end of the deal. 
The gross profit is the money that it's the money that you as the consumer want to keep in your pocket. You want to keep as much of that as possible. So before you start negotiating the deal, inquire about the upfront discount. Those included on the sticker price and more importantly, the unmentioned discount. As I said, the dealer rebate, customer cash, promotional discounts, vehicle incentives, and gross profit discount. Believe it or not, when they want to move a unit, they will put all type of discounts on this car to get it moving. And if it's been there longer than normally 45 to 60 days, they're willing to work a deal on on that vehicle to get it out of there. Um, now, at this point in time, don't really worry about beating up the salesperson uh, because you have a lot of things that you're going to go through uh, before you ever actually even, you know, solidify a deal. And really, you know, the salesperson they'll tell you that they can't make any money until you buy a vehicle, you know, and even though that statement is true, just be cautious of the money that he or she is going to make on your vehicle or the dealer in whole is going to make on your vehicle. Now, I talked about tax on the vehicle um, and the dealer invoice. So let's break PAC down a little bit more. When I told you, you know, it can range in figures of um, 3 to 6% on the vehicle, that's that's quite a bit of money. So if you take, let's say, that, that $20,000 vehicle, if you want to take a uh, look at the pack on that vehicle, it's 3%. Well, you say 3% is not a lot of money. Well, that's $600 on that car that's added to the cost of the car. That's the money that ensures the dealer gets paid. Now, that's $600 less than the $1,800. So, I mean, oh, the, the, the $2,000. So you're looking at that car costing somewhere around seventeen four cost, maybe even a little bit lower. But if they're selling to you at twenty, they get twenty. It's a great day for them at the dealership. They're having fun, you know, really because they made money. If they can do that on every vehicle, it's a great day. Um, so you really want to just consider that. Keep that in mind when you go to the dealership. That even at the dealer invoice price, money is still in that deal. Don't necessarily try to go after that money because that's the dealer's money. I mean, you want them to stay in business. In all fair to the, all fairness to the dealer, you want them to stay in business, but you want to keep as much of that gross profit money as you can. And I talked about the dealer invoice. Remember those add-ons I was talking about? You know, those that would be you know part of the total MSRP and those vehicle enhancements, custom custom designs, the you know. Custom wheels, interior package, um, you know, i.e. the fabric protector. These are the things, like I said, that could push your MSRP up to, you know, $21,000. Well, if it goes to $21,000, guess what? Your pack just increased on that vehicle. Now your pack is about $700. Remember, it's going to be for the total price of the car. So when you hear those, you know, dollar on the invoice, $100 on the invoice, they're still making money, guaranteed. Now, what you know, I, I, I gave you a bit of an example of the pack, cost of the car, MSRP, and how all of this stuff ties in together. So, you know, the the second part or the next week's show is going to be the second part of this series of this segment. 
of the front end of the deal. But the week after that, we're going to talk about the back end of the deal, and that's where you really go to putting all your money, all the money that you've negotiated, putting it to work and saving yourself as much money as possible. Now, I know you've heard me say, and you're going to continue to hear me say, that most middle-income consumers live on a budget, which mandates that we be payment buyers. And 95% of Americans are payment buyers. Now, that's, that's, that's a very high number. That means we finance everything. We finance things from entertainment systems to lawnmowers to vehicles to houses, washing machines, and the list goes on and on and on. But, you know, if we want some of the finer things in life as consumers, we have to be payment buyers. So in that notion, it's okay being a payment buyer, but just make sure that you, you know, when you're buying your vehicle, you look at the, the number of installments first that you're going to have, and that's the length of your contract and the amount of each one of those installments. Now, I, I, I said it before. I said to you in the book to give you breakdown details, but you need to make sure that you incorporate and you consider everything in your price or in your payment, not just the cost of the vehicle. You have to consider your insurance. You have to consider... Um, the operational cost for that vehicle. I was listening to a report earlier this week, and it says it, it, it's under this affordable annual affordability index. And it's saying the average car cost now is about $27,500. And the people are staying in their cars, it used to be four to six years, and now they're staying in them longer. Cars are built better because the manufacturers want to make sure that, you know, their product is top of the line, but you're going to have problems out of the car as well. But a lot of people stand in their cars longer, which means if cars become better, dealers can finance those cars longer for you. Now, think about that for a second. About 10 years ago, the average... A little bit longer than that, about 15 years ago. The average length of an installment contract was 60 months, five years or 60 months. Well, now that has changed over time to 72 months. Now it's up to 84 months. And I actually heard a report of the industry talking about 96 months. Now, I don't know about you, but that's eight years paying for a vehicle. Well, be rest assured, if people are staying in their vehicles longer, uh, 8 to 10 years, then dealers are going to, if they can get the market to go that way, because they have to, they have to sell cars to make money, they can get the market to go that way, and the, and the finance companies can go along with it. Um, they will be financing cars for that amount of time. Now, it may sound attractive because... When you go to talking about paying for the price of that car, that monthly note, and that note going down from, say, $464 to financing it over 72 months or 84 months, and that note going down to $269 a month, that's very attractive, very attractive. But the thing you have to remember is you want to lock yourself into that length of payment. 
Now, if you're going to do it from a, 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 a strategy-wise, and that's a, another segment that we'll talk about, but I used to teach that, get the lowest payment, even though you're going to pay more on it per month. You know, what the heck? I'll tell you about it now. If you're going to get that car financed for, let's say, 72 months, six years, if they can extend it out that long, you'll pay a little bit more on your interest rate um, than you would on the, on the 60 months. Of course, the lower the interest rate, the lower the amount of time, the lower the interest rate. The longer your contract, the higher your interest rate. But if you're going to be diligent about this, and like I said, this is something that I used to teach in seminars, you can actually get out of your car still in about five years or less by paying the same amount plus $20. It's just depends on how you pay it. Now, let's break that down. You take a car note. Let's say your car note is $400. If you divide your car note up and pay it every two weeks, and you can do it through most online bankings, they will do your online bill pay. But if you paid your car note every two weeks, not the entire $400, but split it in half and you paid $200, Every two weeks, you will be out of your car on a 60-month note. You will be out of your car note in about 49 months, 49, 50 months. How is this so? Well, because you're only paying for 15 days of interest. If you pay it every month, you're paying 30 days of interest. But if you split it up and pay $200 every 15 days, you're paying for 15 days of interest. Thereby, it's going to reduce the amount of time. It's like paying an extra payment a year on your car. Now, imagine if you took that $200 and you added $20 to the payment. You're adding $40 to the whole payment a month, but you're paying $220 every, every 15 days. You'll be out of your car note in somewhere around 42 months. Now, if you use that, use that rule, and when you buy the vehicle, you extend your payments out 72 months, but you pay your payments every two weeks. Now, the finance company is not going to be happy with you. Why? Because they're making money on 30 days of interest. Now, you can even be wise with it if you really wanted to. You could pay your car note. You could split it up into four payments and pay a bill payment every week, 100 bucks a week. They cannot deny your payment. They may not be happy with you. But they can't deny it. So you may ask yourself, why don't they tell you this information? This is information that the consumer could use that it's not going to hurt anybody. You're paying your note. You're getting your payment down. Why don't they tell you this? Because they're making money. They don't want to tell you this. And when we get to the back end of the deal and understanding the financial rhetoric, we're going to really tear this apart. We're going to give examples the whole nine yards. But these are things that you want to look at. Um, by the way, never buy a vehicle with an adjustable interest rate. Sounds crazy, but never, because your payments are based on market fluctuation. So as long as the market is fluctuating, your payments can go up or down, okay? Um, and we got some really exciting stuff when we get back into that part of the car buying deal, because we're going to talk about the Rule of 72, uh, simple interest. We'll talk about a lot of stuff. But make sure you have, 
I use the rule of thumb of 15% or 20%. A monthly installment should not exceed 20% of your gross monthly income. You know, that's that total amount that you see on your check that you made but you don't bring home. Yeah, we all see it. I make $60,000 a year, but by the time I bring it all home, I throw it home about forty-five. Yeah. Never exceed 20% of that monthly income, your gross monthly income. But if you want to look at your total pay, you want your take-home pay, you don't want to be more than 15% of that pay. Paying for your vehicle. And that's not just the car note, but that's also the interest rate, uh, not the interest rate, the insurance payment. You want to have all that wrapped up into that 15% where it does not throw you off your budget or out of balance. Okay? Now, before you're ready to buy, you set aside a payment that's not, again, that's not going to put you in a financial bind. The very last thing you want to do, and we all done it, we've, we've done it before, it's called justifying. The last thing you want to do is justify to your loved ones, to yourself, that you paid too much for your vehicle. And you got to cut back on some things. Now, as a salesman, I used to say, I'd tell a person in a heartbeat, listen, hey, your car payment's only going to be 15 more, 15 more dollars a month. You know, all you have to do is, I mean, you take your family out to dinner, that's, that's one pizza. That's $15 a month, and you can, you, can, you can afford this. Yeah, that was, that was when I was on that side of the fence. Now that I'm on this side of the fence, I tell you, no, once you set a budget, 15%, don't go above that. Don't go above that. Uh, if you see a car, and be careful of mental ownership. Mental ownership will make you buy every time. Now remember, we don't buy for logical reasons. We really don't. We are a, uh, I dare say, a nation of people that fall in love with things. And when we fall in love with them and we pay for them, we really don't care. I mean, I've heard people say it doesn't matter. If I got the money and I like it, and I like it, and I like it. That's the big key. So it should be if I like it and I have the money, I'm going to pay for it, regardless of what you say. Well, that's what the dealer is counting on. They're counting on you to fall in love with that car. I used to do it so eloquently. I would make sure when I was at the dealership, um, I would make sure that the customer did not have something. They would come in. I'd always ask for something. If they did not have it, then I would suggest that we take the car and go get it from their home, if they were local, and most people are. Well, the rule behind that or the whole tactic behind that is we all have nosy neighbors. Even in this meanest society that we're living in now, we still have nosy neighbors, people that will look at your car when you pull it in the driveway. In the summertime, if they're outside, they're going to say something about your vehicle. Hey, Bob, is that you? Is that your new car? Yeah, I'm thinking about it. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. Because as soon as your neighbor gives validation to what you're about to do, your checkbook is going to follow. And I would make sure that I was there to have you write that check for what I wanted you to write it for, because it was my dealership. So you've got to be very, very, very careful of mental ownership. It'll cost you a lot of money. As I stated, the financing aspect is a whole nother chapter, whole nother topic, and we're going to talk about that. Um, but let's talk about, we're still on the front end of the deal. Let's talk about insurance for a minute. 
and we're going to get more into this on the next segment. But I'm going to start it off. I'm going to start it off here. Consumers are aware of risk. Of, of risk. That's why they purchase warranties. They purchase insurance policies, maintenance contracts, and assortment of other unnecessary coverages to protect them. Well, the dealer knows that. So don't pay double for something that you already have or you can get from your insurance company Um, because the dealer will try to sell you these things. But one of the things, I don't know if I mentioned, but I used to have a firm when I was in Atlanta, a negotiating firm. And what we did at the firm is we negotiated everything for our clients who wanted to buy vehicles. We would go out and negotiate the purchase price of the car. We negotiate the interest rates. We negotiate the insurance. We negotiate the maintenance contract. Everything that that person wanted on that car, we would negotiate. And nine times out of ten, our, 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 our client would be in the dealership in and out in a matter of two hours because we did a lot of preparation beforehand and put things in place. But the thing that I want to tap, tap on is insurance. A lot of times you pay more on your insurance premium, and I can tell you in Florida uh, there are certain premiums that you have to have that the dealer will, you know, that the insurance agents, you know, you have to pay because it's state-mandated. So a lot of the coverage, let, let me put it to you this way. It doesn't make sense to buy a $20,000 vehicle, okay? But you're going to have your standard 100, 300,000, 100,000 policy on that car. Here's the deal. You total your car, you're only getting what your car is worth. That's it. So I understand the whole, the the property damage and liability, but the comprehensive, yes, it's going to cover some things, you know, but if that car is total, you're only going to get what the car is worth. So why would you pay more money on your monthly premium for that when you could reduce that to say you're buying a car under $20,000, I say you go with your state minimum. Whatever your state minimums are, you know, you're looking for the best coverage, but that's not going to break your bank. And I don't know, but I'm going to throw this out there. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but when, you, when you're buying your insurance, the lower your deductible, the higher your premium. Okay? So take into account that the average car, if something happens to it, you can just about be rest assured it's going to cost you more than $1,000, okay? And remember, you're buying, you're paying for the risk, the risk that you may have an accident over a certain amount of time while you own this vehicle. Well, the other side of it is you may not have an accident, and that's paying money into the system that you're not going to get back. Some will give you a few pennies back, but not enough to make it, you know, insurmountable. And, of course, insurance companies, of course, you know, I'm, I'm beating up on them too. Insurance companies are some of the, the most profitable entities in America because you're paying money into a pit that you will never get out of it and unless something happens. 
But we'll get more into those type of insurances and, and teach you how to negotiate that. Um, Want to open up, open up the phone lines, uh, if you will. We have about 20 minutes left on the show. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, give us a call, 347-637-1008. Three four seven six three seven one zero zero eight, and you can jot that number down. That in case you miss this show, uh, next week we'll be on same time, same place, beautiful Tampa at two p.m. Um, but before we get callers, or if we get callers, hopefully people will call in. I want you to spread the word. We're going to talk about those insurances that you do not need at the dealership that you don't have to buy but they're going to try to sell them to you. Insurance is like accidental death insurance, okay? In case you're killed in an accident, people, you're already paying for that when you pay your insurance premium. You don't need an additional accidental death policy. Now, remember, I said in the, you lose most of your money in the last 15 minutes of being at the dealership. Another insurance, credit life insurance, if your credit goes bad or something happens, credit life will kick in and pay for that vehicle. Okay. A lot of the times you're going to have medical payments on your insurance premiums that you're paying already and in your policy. Um, but you don't want to listen. God forbid something happens to you, but if it does, let them come report don't pay for that additional money if something happens to you. Let them repo the car and it'd be done. It'd be a done deal. Now, of course, I'm not advocating not paying your car note. Pay your car note. I'm just saying some insurances you don't need or you'll end up being double covered. That's only going to pay you one time. So if you have an accidental death policy over here, an accidental death policy over here, only one policy is going to pay. They're not going to be. You're not going to be getting money all over town. And if you accidentally die, doesn't make a difference anyway. Um, but the F&I manager or the finance and insurance manager will approach you with these options and advise you that you may need them in the case of an accidental death or loss of income. Remember, most insurance companies or the riders you have will take care of that in case something happens to you. Um, and, of course, this is another, another effort for the dealer to increase the profit margin on the back end of the deal. Now, in the book, I talk about I, there's a statement that I don't need a mechanic. Well, in today's market, automobiles are, you know, they're generally built better and will last long as we were just talking about than the predecessors, than their predecessors. But, you know, manufacturers will place a standard warranty on their vehicles. Now, this is a piece that I put it into the front end of the deal because I want you to consider this when you actually go to buy a vehicle. Um, most manufacturers are going to have that standard bumper-to-bumper warranty. Now, that warranty is going to cover everything on that vehicle except wearable items, such as your tires, your brakes, your shoes, your belts, your hoses. Now, these warranties tell a, tell a consumer that the manufacturer is very proud of their vehicle and they guarantee the serviceability of the vehicle for a certain period of time. Now, outside of the bumper-to-bumper warranty, you will have what is called a powertrain warranty or warranty on your engine, engine, transmission, and electrical parts. Now, that usually go up to about 100,000 miles. 
sold in that standard on that vehicle. Now, you had the bumper-to-bumper warranty, which is, you know, on your first 24 to 40,000 miles or 36,000 miles, just depending on the make and model, you're going to find out if you have problems with that car. Um, my car had about, and this is just recently, uh, 50, just shy of 50,000 miles on it. But I had an electrical issue. My air conditioner, uh, the wires shorted out, and I took it to the dealer. Well, that was covered under the warranty, under the powertrain warranty. It was an electrical issue. Didn't cost me a nickel, just time. But I didn't care. Didn't cost me seven or $800 to get the air conditioner fixed. Well, here's where I'm going. If you're going to have a bumper-to-bumper warranty on the car and you're going to have a powertrain warranty on the car, be careful of the extended warranty that they offer you, okay? They'll normally tell you that, and this is the selling piece, you get an extended warranty for 100,000 miles. Well, let's break it down. If your bumper-to-bumper warranty on your car is... 36,000 miles, your extended warranty doesn't kick in until 36,001 miles. So in essence, you're getting 73,000, 74,000 miles on the extended warranty, and extended warranties are pricey. They are very expensive, and I tell people, you know, you don't necessarily have to buy the, buy the extended warranty from the dealer, and you don't have to pay for the extended warranty at the time that you buy the car. You can always go back and get an extended warranty later. As long as you're on the, the loan on that car and you have not gone out of the miles on your bumper-to-bumper warranty, you can go back and get an extended warranty. Yes, they are negotiable. Most dealers sell extended warranty at 50% plus. So they're selling it basically uh, at 100% or 150% of what they have into what that warranty costs. Now, that's costing you more money, but you may see, you know, it's an additional $1,000. It's worth putting on the car, but be careful. Um, now, you have to be careful of the outside people selling warranties, too. you got to do your work. Do your homework, because the last thing you want to do is get caught with a, um, a warranty, an extended warranty from a buy here, pay here company or a, 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 let me change that, a fly-by-night company that will charge you for the deductible and for the parts every time uh, that you take your car in to have it serviced. Now, that's costing you a lot of money, a lot of money. And a lot, a lot most people won't tell you what things cover because, you know, you've got to look at the, the mechanically, the mechanic hourly rate that's going to, you know, that's posted when you get to the get to the service department. But you got to look at what the extended warranty covers and how much it's going to cost you. All these things that you're wrapping into your cost factor. And as I say in the book, extended warranty, you know, that's kind of like the first ripoff. When you, when you, not the first ripoff as far as saving money, but the way they tell you it's going to cover your car up to 100,000 miles, the first ripoff is you're only getting 73,999 miles off of that 36,000-mile warranty. And as I said, the deductible, so when you're getting charged a deductible for parts and labor each, and normally those deductibles are about 100 bucks, 
that can become costly. It can cost you a lot of money, and that's something you don't want to deal with. Um, one of the things I used to talk about is in, in seminars I used to do is just how money is made. Now, this is going to be – I'm going to come at you with these numbers. It may take you a minute to break it down. But I had a car once, and a my map sensor went out on the car. Now, the map sensor, MAP, it's a, manif- it's a manifold air pressure sensor. It went out on the car, and I didn't know what it was. All I know is my car didn't operate right. Well, I took the car to the dealership, and when I went in, this part cost, $65 at the time. The dealer told me the part cost $170. Bucks. All right? Now, this is how your warranties come into play. The warranty pays the $70 bucks after you pay the deductible of $100. Bucks. Remember, the part cost $65. They went on to tell me that it would take approximately 1.75 hours. Now, in today's market, you're talking about mechanic ranges from 80 to 90 bucks an hour, depending on the area and the make of your vehicle. But let's use $85 per hour. Remember, I had to pay $100 deductible for the labor. So it would cost me, at that 1.75 hours, it would cost me $148.75 for the labor. After I paid my $100 deductible, they would pay the $48.75. So you figure, you know, out of these numbers, you're going to save about $118, only if you're paying your $100 deductible for parts and labor parts and labor each. Well, consider this. If you had known what the map sensor was, or if I had known what it was, I could have saved myself $145. Because when I found out what it was, it was a little box mounted on my vehicle's uh, firewall by two screws. It had a hose <clears throat> and an electrical harness attached to it. Now, this is for your do-it-yourselfer. Ladies, you can do it yourself. You have a man, have him do it. Do the research. Internet's a whole lot better now. But remember, it cost about $65 for the parts, and it took me about 10 minutes. It would take me about 10 minutes to replace that, that whole piece. The dealer just made $145. Okay, to be fair, it did take me 10 minutes, so I need to deduct $8.50 from that $445, and I could have saved myself $136, but I had knowledge I just didn't apply it, which cost me money. That won't happen again. Another thing to consider in saving yourself money on the front end of the deal, is do the research on your car. Right now, there are a lot of blogs out there on vehicles. Somehow, we got disconnected. I don't know how that happened, but I apologize for that. I am back. Um, And where I left off, I was talking about your car, doing a lot of research on your car, but there are a lot of blogs out there. Before you buy a car, 
find out the serviceability of your car and how reliable it is. Now, there is a federal lemon law. This law states basically that if you as a consumer are not satisfied with the vehicle after having reoccurring serviceability problems with that vehicle and they have not been satisfied by the dealership, then you can file a suit against the manufacturer to have that vehicle replaced or repaired at the, at the expense of the manufacturer without cost to you. Now, that's only on new cars, not used cars. And this law allows you to file a complaint within the first 18 months of purchase of your vehicle. Okay? Like I said, by the time you get to 24 months, you should know what type of problems your vehicle has. But this law is in place to protect the consumer if you have a lot of problems with the vehicle. Now, remember, once you buy it, it's your car, not the dealer's car. I remember years ago, there was a lady, I was selling Dodges at the time, and this lady bought an Intrepid when they first came out. Uh, they don't even make them anymore, but the Dodge Intrepid. And it was a brand-new car, but she was having problems out of the car. And what she did with her car, she went and got yellow spray paint, spray painted it on her car, parked it outside of the dealership, and said, this car is a lemon. And we just looked. Now, that was her car that she painted. She went about the process the wrong way. She needed to contact the State Insurance Commission and to see how the lemon law was applied and see if she actually qualified for it because her car was having problems. The dealer was fixing the car, but it apparently kept breaking down on her, but she went about it the wrong way. Um, dealers are constantly researching ways to increase profits. Over the past 10 years, dealers have, you know, they've added vehicle customization as a part of the selling package. Vehicle add-ons. It can be purchased at, you know, once you, once you agree up, excuse me, once you agree up on a price on the car. I know there's one um, used car dealer uh, that deals in just pre-owned vehicles. They are national chains. But, you know, what they do is they come in, really no haggling over prices. They give you a price on the car, but then they try to sell you all this other stuff, all the add-on stuff, and all these things will make your, you know, will enhance the look of your new investment. But you got to be careful because they can increase your car note between 50 and 100 bucks a month. That's a lot of money, and you want to be careful of that before you pay out that type of money at the dealership. Now, we're not going to even talk about trade-in. All I can, I can tell you on this part, we'll talk about trade-in later, but we're not going to talk about it now uh, because, you know, our time is about to run out. But I'll tell you this. When you get to the dealership and you have done your research, got the price already, or when you get to the dealership, do not mention that you have a trade-in until you are ready to, until you get the final price for your vehicle. Because no one really understands, except the dealer, how the trade is valued. okay? A lot of the things uh, in this radio show this week, I had a lady call in and ask, she asked a question about her vehicle. Actually, I'm doing an op-ed on for an article coming out about 
tip on trade vehicles. Well, the thing you want to consider on a trade vehicle is you have to decrease your sentimental value to that vehicle. Now, you know what I mean. You bought the car, you first got it, you washed it every weekend, you loved the car, you kept it clean, it was reliable, it got to you where you wanted it to be, you know, all those good things. Well, when you get to the dealership, they're going to devalue that car, that they, and they use Black Book. They don't use Kelly Blue Book. Uh, they don't use the NADA. The finance company does that, so they, you know, that's how they will value the loan. We'll talk about more on that. But they use what is called the Black Book, and it's a little bitty Black Book, and it's designed to do one thing, and that's take the value out of your vehicle. So when you're at the dealership, they're looking at you and looking at how you love your car. That's why when they come out, they give you a trade value. We call it a low ball in the business. And sometimes it would be lower than what your car is actually worth. But if I came out and told you, if you've had your car for four years and you love your car and you know, all this great stuff, and you came out to get your car, or I brought your car in for a trade and I give you a figure, you're not going to be satisfied with the figure anyway. So the whole thing is to devalue your car. That's the reason I said you do not mention your trade until you are ready or have the price for the car that you're going to buy. Then you mention your trade. Now, when they actually give you the value, it will come off of the price of your vehicle. If you tell them beforehand, they immediately assess your vehicle and they start putting together the, the deal even before you've even decided on the car. They start putting together the deal because I know how much money I can devalue your trade to make this deal work, okay? So I can get the most money as a dealer. And a lot of them will have your car sold before you even get to that phase of trading on your vehicle. So these are some of the things that I wanted you to, you know, check into and look at before you ever go the front end of the deal. Um, again, I'm going to, I'll be posting this show on podcast, also on Facebook, and it will be going out in some emails to people. Uh, tune into it, listen to it, and if you have questions, formulate those questions. And you can email them. Email them to the show at legallysteal.info. Also, get your book. Again, it's and it will be the best $15 you've spent. And as I said before, if the book does not save you thousands of dollars, I will buy the book back from you. So you really have nothing to lose. It's a win-win situation. And I want you to know, I want you to learn so you can save money. Also, spread the word. Tell everybody you know. If they're trying to buy a vehicle, tell them to tune in to the Legally Steal Show. Saturdays, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we'll be giving out good information. And again, listen to the show, repost it, send it to other people. We want to make this show the number one show on the Internet before we go traditional radio, which is in the works. We're looking at that by the end of this month. Again, thanks for tuning in to the show. See you next week.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.